Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Oh my gosh, I am so proud of you, Allie. Did you I did. get it? I wasn't reading a line, but I have it memorized, and so <laughs> we've done it so many times. So yeah, you got it all right. So we, we've been experiencing some technical difficulties this morning, as I'm sure many of you have experienced in working from home. And so Allie did all of that from memory. So proud of you. <laughs> I um, am a former theater nerd, so I... Um, in my past performances, um, instead of just trying to learn one part, I would learn the whole play. Of course. So if anybody jumped a line, I could help them with their line. Um, so for the most part, if there's a script involved and I've repeated the script, which that is the intro is our script. Yeah. My script anyway. Um, you don't need it, but I do. So the intro is a script and I can see it in my head. Yeah. I get and I can feel the rhythm of it mm-hmm. in the way that I say it. Um, I also know my lisp bothers me. And mm. so the strength-based perspective through which they view the world is always something I try to say without lispy. Huh. Okay. So I think that I really want to lift up your adaptability in the ways that you... I did take a couple pictures of Tess during her frozen screen (laughs) that represent what I believe she could add as a meme of the day. Like, Tess is done with (laughs) internet issues. I know, and it's so frustrating because I have good internet. I've never had issues with my internet prior to working from home. But I think like... We had mentioned like sometimes the our technology feels like it's running on overdrive. Like you felt your computer felt like physically felt like it was going to like burn up um, or start a flame the other day because it was so hot. I feel like everything is just running on overdrive because we are constantly on screens. We're constantly connected. And I frankly have been doing a ton more video chats than I ever have been. And that just, you know, uses so much more data and so much more connectivity. Uh, And so, yeah, it's just kind of a weird a weird time. And I think we're not that, you know, I don't feel like I'm maxing out my internet at all. I guess I should check that. But yeah, I apparently my internet just feels like it's being overused. But I also like historically have never hardly been home, you know, prior to working from home all the time now. (laughs) Well, and I want to spot your adaptability because you roll with it and come back with a a pleasant attitude about it. (laughs) I mean, there were, I mean, I think we tried three attempts Mm -hmm. on our laptops and then you just said, Hey, I'm going to FaceTime you. It wasn't, should we cancel? Should we, should I, you know, punch a hole in the wall? Andy, <laughs> what do I need to do here? And Andy Bernard sometimes I think my low adaptability is so evident to me. Hmm. It's, it's so obvious to me that change is really hard for a lot of people, but I, I really have underestimated how much I value routine. Hmm. So I, I don't think because my schedule didn't seem routine that I saw myself as a routine person, 
but boy, howdy, I'm routine. Oh, I mean, um, I could have told you that, Allie, because just even of the way you, no matter where you're at and no matter what your day looked like, you had your morning ritual, you have like things you need to do in the evening, like the ritual and rhythm has always been really important to you. And so even though the days might not look the same, you start, you end, you have key moments of things that you do during the day that are all important. And that's routine. It doesn't mean you wake up and every day is a cookie cutter replica right. of the previous day, right? that's where like I mean my mornings all kind of look different and you know my evenings all kind of look different and so like that's maybe a little bit of where we tend to box strengths in like that adaptability looks like every day looks different you know well you can have every day looking different depending on your context but it's how you navigate those different days how you behave within those right strengths being our talent themes our our regular patterns of behavior uh, that that help define how we best function and so even though your day look different you navigate them in a similar way applying the same pattern that you have in previous days to them and my input um, strategic blend knows after years of trying to find a rhythm of well-being I know what works for me I know my Mm -hmm. magic I know what magic I need in order to feel my best yeah so my input strategic blend says okay no matter where you are Mm-hmm. This is possible. This is also the knowledge that you have of yourself, your self-awareness, mm-hmm. knowing what you love, knowing what you need. Um, yeah. As you know, and we've talked about this many times, I travel with a, a flat sheet. Mm-hmm. Now, is that <laughs> ridiculous? Maybe. Is that Maybe. one more thing to pack, <laughs> one more bag? Maybe. But here's what I know. I sleep better when I'm in my cocoon of my own sheet. I sleep better. I will function better the next day. I will be a better version of me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really good for people to know Mm -hmm. themselves well enough to say, this may seem ridiculous to someone else, but this is what I need. And so I'm really starting to notice that we've kind of, we've talked about this. The layers are being pulled away. Mm -hmm. You're really getting firm on your priorities. What's important to you when you're living in this space of home. I'm starting to realize what really matters to me. Yeah. Hmm. And it's it's shifting some things for me. Yeah. That's good. And I um I wanted a string spot because I think I'm most surprised by this when I look at your full 34. Not surprised, but this is my own bias against this strength. But you have higher discipline. It's 14 for you. You have higher mm-hmm. responsibility. Um, and I think those are really um, strong strengths. And actually, this was a conversation I was going to have with you offline, but why not just have it on Jen and Millie? Because we, we have these like real honest conversations. Brazen. Um, bra- <laughs> brazen. There you go. There's my word. Um, but, uh, but I have been hyped kind of mulling around with this hypothesis based on the domains of talent that if you don't have maybe a split or um representation in each of the domains really high that some of your mid-range strengths have greater almost concentration than other strengths because you're lacking the um, strengths in those domains in your dominant themes. So the example that, you know, that I give is I, in my top 11, I only fall in two domains, right? And that, you know, I fall in strategic thinking and relationship building. That doesn't mean that I can't execute and can't influence. And I use my strengths to do that. But I also think it means that my highest influencing and highest executing, even though they fall lower down, might pop up in a little higher concentration because they're going to be the first 
If I just need to execute, I'm going to probably drop down a little further to find that executing theme to pull it yeah. up. As opposed to something like my input is 10, which I definitely use input a lot. But because I have all these other strategic thinking themes ahead of it, I'm going to think in other ways. And so I've been, you know, reflecting on that a lot. And I was coaching a, a, a coworker at Teammates who has concentrate, really concentrated domains as well, like I do. Um, and so we were kind of talking about how do we dig into 12, 11, um, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, because that's where some of the domain first times that you see domain representation in her um, 34 list. And so I was thinking the same for myself. My first influencing theme is self-assurance. And it pop, it's at 13, which isn't considered a part of my dominant where I draw the line, but it pops up as the way I influence if I just need to influence, right? I influence through my strategic thinking and relationship building, but I'm gonna also pull on that, maybe at a little higher concentration than I might pull on something like Relator, which pops up a little higher, but because I have other relationship building strengths, I might build relationships through those other strengths before I'm gonna tap into my Relator. Does that make sense? Like that's kind of- It the, totally makes that's, sense. It really does. I'm like, um, it's kind of what I've been throwing around a little bit lately. Um, And I like the word, concentrated um I'm gonna do what I typically do and completely throw in a random story that has nothing to do with this but the reason that I like the word communication um, I'm really into being myself these days so best person I I worked really really hard this week to get my kayak in the lake Mm -hmm. this lake next to me has no dock Mm -hmm. and um I am not good yet yet <laughs> at getting my kayak in and out of a lake without a dock uh, without any kind of landing so um I bought a cart because it is it is pretty massive and it, it's a little bit difficult for me to navigate and because I've had some issues with my back I'm like just use your brain and get a cart so I got a cart and it's very similar to like a, a golf cart um I didn't have to do much to put it together but I did put it together and I was massively proud of myself yeah strapped got it strapped together, ready to go. I'm think, and I keep thinking to myself, how is this not falling apart or falling off? How did I do? I can't believe I did this. It's just some freak moment in the world that I got this right the first time. And then I get to the lakeside, which is a pretty significant hill and I'm going downhill. And I think, I think just for a second to myself, I wonder if this is really on correctly. (laughs) I start down the hill and guess what? It's not. And there's some serious momentum as you're going with this. I mean, it's a heavy kayak and Mm -hmm. now you've got a cart that's, it's, it's, it's moving. Yeah. So there's a guy fishing near where I want to go. And so I kind of said, Hey, look out. (laughs) Just a warning. Because I was afraid I was going to lose control of it and it fell right off. I mean, it started going and then it just fell right out off. And he turns and looks at me. And at first he didn't say anything. And I thought, this is great. So I stood there for a while trying to unstrap everything, get everything situated, wanting him to move because he's clearly in the spot that I need to get in. And with mm. the social distancing, yep. you try to give like the nonverbals, like, look at me holding mm-hmm. this kayak, trying to get on the lake and mm-hmm. you're standing in the one spot. So I did another so is that probably the best? I think I might need to be where you are right now. 
And he turns to me and he said, you're right. There are two spots basically that you can get the kayak on here. Mm -hmm. this one. And then there's another one across the lake. And I said, Oh, you know, the lake pretty well. And he said, yes, it's a great fishing lake. Okay. And Tess, this is not a lake lake. This is hardly a reservoir. You know, people aren't on boats or, but there are always people fishing. And I thought that was really interesting. And I said, really? And he said, yes, but you've got to use the right bait. And he used the word concentrated. So I said, what's in the bait? What's the bait? And he said, it's chicken breast garlic kool-aid concentrated kool-aid what? and what? <laughs> well so he may be he, <laughs> there might be a lot of things going on there but yeah. anyway he's telling me this and what was nice is he starts telling me this as i'm trying to navigate the kayak because i don't want him to just stare at me not knowing what i'm doing and he said he used the word concentrated and he said do you need help and I said, no, I don't. I do not. Yeah. I said, I really feel confident that I can do this. <laughs> I said, however, if there's a disaster, you know, I would appreciate your help. He said, do you want to leave your, your kayak cart here? And I said, no, you know, I'm going to have to use this and, and take this with me. So he, he just made conversation <laughs> in a way that was distracting enough. So it wasn't so obvious that I was struggling. And then I, I was trying to push myself out of the mud to get on. Yeah. And he started to move towards like he was going to push me out. And I said, I think I've got it. And he goes, you absolutely have it. He yes. said, you, you don't need my help. You're fine. Yes. Um, and it was one of the more glorious moments that I've had in the few, in the mm -hmm. last six months that I did it by myself in and out of the kayak by myself. The return was interesting because he was still standing there. Mm -hmm. And I said, so I need to know more about this bait. <laughs> and he said, undiluted, you know, concentrated, undiluted. So I'm envisioning a garlic Kool-Aid rub. Oh, I don't not a marinade, to. <laughs> but a rub, but he used the word concentrated. And I just remember thinking that's such an interesting word to use to describe non-water Kool-Aid. Um, and then the word came up again. Hmm. And I really like how you're talking about the domains yeah. this way yeah. because I mean, I, so I'd pull mine up. That's what I was doing. You knew that. <laughs> I knew <laughs> because I was thinking, okay, where, where am I? Like, where does your first theme in a domain appear? Yeah. And that's why I don't, I don't want to not give credence. So this is a general hypothesis just from just working with people, um, and coaching people and what I've noticed. And I don't think that it means that we don't give credence to the way in which certain themes are able to jump and manifest in each domain, right? Like I talk a lot about how the domains are flexible, they're open, they're, um, they're malleable, right? Like my context falls into a strategic thinking theme, but I use it to build relationships and to influence and to execute all the time. Um, but I think there's something about the fact that, yeah, even that illustration of concentrated Kool-Aid versus watered down, um, that, you know, that the, the, the first theme to appear in your list in each domain, I think is a bit more concentrated because when push comes to shove, when I'm called upon um, to influence or to execute, um, I'm going to call upon my top five, but I'm also probably going to call upon my first 
pure form of that domain's manifestation. So I'm going to call upon my achiever, which is 12 for me in executing. I'm going to call upon my self-assurance at 13 um, as my first influencing theme um, in conjunction with my other themes. Um, so I don't think it means that you need to necessarily, and, and what I've been working through the, the couple people that this has showed up with in a coaching sense, I don't think it means we need to... Um, invest and claim that as a dominant theme but we need to be aware of its of its presence of the fact that that's our first theme to solely fall in that domain because we need to know when when we when we're pulling on that theme in order to function um, and, and that helps us to more proactively aim it in a way for success rather than it getting in the way, right? If I didn't claim and know that self-assurance is my first influencing theme, it will get in the way. I will, uh, you know, I, I had a really good conversation with um, somebody I was coaching around um, self-assurance about um, one of the descriptors of self-assurance is when people, you're not faced by other people's criticisms. Um, and almost the way that I kind of interpreted that and, and talked about it in my own life is that it, I almost like doubled down when people push back I'm like if people criticize me and try to like tear apart it almost means I like double down which is something really good to be aware of because if I want to learn and grow I need to take people's criticism and not just like double down on my own argument but say okay there is credence and validity in the feedback you're giving me and then I take that and apply it right so that's a more positive mature form of self-assurance versus maybe it's raw form which says if somebody criticizes me well I'm not going to listen to that and I'm just going to double down on my own belief and perspective um, but I even though I don't necessarily function in self-assurance all the time because it's not a dominant theme I need to be critically aware of that because it can get in the way of my success if I don't have that awareness um, and that recognition of how it pops up and shows up in my life a lot. So I have two, um, in my top five, I have two in, um, in strategic thinking and I have two in um, influencing, influencing and, and then one in relationship building. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know when executing comes in. Well, the, achiever number six. Yeah, number six. So in your dominant, you have representation in all four domains. So I think that that's a little bit different, right? Like these are kind of two different ways in which we need to go about kind of coaching people. So there's somebody on staff that I'm coaching too that has representation in all four domains in their top five. And so I think the different ways then you go about and the different ways that I've kind of gone about approaching and coaching these people is that, right, the being really concentrated in your domains. So having a lot of um, themes in few domains in your top five or top 10 um, means that you are almost in a really particular lane. Like you are, um, you are kind of from the strengths-based perspective, like you have a really clear trajectory of what you're good at and consequently what people can rely upon you to contribute to a team, to a group, how you're naturally going to default to leadership. The way that I've kind of been explaining and kind of wrestling with people who are more spread out with their themes is that there's a little more versatility in their team function and their leadership ability. So if you put someone that has representation in all four domains on a team, if that team has a high concentration of executors already, 
that versatile person, probably their executing themes are going to take a back burner and maybe Mm -hmm. their influencing themes are going to pop up or their relationship building. There's a little more of, um, the ability to vacillate back and forth between what themes do I need to show up in order to help this team be really productive. And oftentimes that's counter to the types of themes that are already showing up in that team or even in a leadership position, right? So if a if a leader is looking at the people that they manage and the people they manage are really heavy in relationship building, maybe say, but maybe have a lower concentration of executing, it, as a leadership, as a leader, that manager might um, say, well, I, or might default to using their executing themes more in order to help their team get things done um, because that's not how their team defaults. So it's a lot of, there's, there's more flexibility in terms of team and group synergy to say what needs to show up in order to help this team or this group or this um, role as a manager uh, be really successful. And so I think that's where you show up, right? With a, a little bit of representation yeah good representation across a lot of the domains now when you look at your top 10 you have a lot more relationship building themes show up um and then you have yeah that uh, a few more strategic thinking themes and so you but you have good representation in your dominant so you are maybe a little more of a versatile person as a team which may look Mm -hmm. like lack of confidence Mm, sure because yeah you're going to show up in different teams in different ways and i think that that needs to be acknowledged for the gift that you then bring to each of those teams rather than I think probably an assumption that could be made is gosh they're just like a different person in different settings like who are they really right and I don't think that you you are you Allie you bring your strengths to the table but each team is going to ask something different of you and I think that's your greatest asset is to be able to shift and change how you show up in a team to say what which of my themes which of my talents are really needed um, to help this team become successful there's a great benefit in that Um, there's also great benefit in like how you know someone with kind of my strengths concentration yes. shows up but there's less flexibility then like I'm always going to show up with a critical and analytical mind like I'm always going to show up and say how can we think through this better and prepare for this better and I'm going to build relationships along the way I'm not going to help default us to an executing place or an influencing place by the natural distribution of my strengths and so I think there's a little bit of a difference in maybe how teams are curated by leaders knowing the different types of domain concentrations. So someone might, you know, if you're on a team, you're maybe going to vacillate and be more flexible in how you show up, but I might more proactively be selected to be on the team because they know exactly how I'm going to show up. Right. So there's, I guess, a little bit of a difference depending on. Which may mm -hmm. look like brazen confidence. (laughs) Sure. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, part of the reason I think this is good is that we're, that we're talking about this today is, There are so many different ways that all of us are showing up right now. And I think without some of the, there are barriers, Mm -hmm. but there are also barriers being lifted. Yeah. So, um, I had a great conversation with, um, Sam from the UNL, um, strength team, um, last night, and we were talking a little bit about, you know, some of the different things that are happening and what we're observing and what we're experiencing. And, I feel like some of the, there are barriers, yes, but some of the veils are being lifted in a way that are exposing gaps, are exposing problems, are exposing things that maybe we didn't have dialogues about 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing too, is that you're really getting, you have this time now to create what your day week environment looks like in such a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. So what are you actually going to do with it? And you can't Mm -hmm. make an excuse anymore, at least for me. I can't make an excuse anymore for, oh, well, I have to travel so much. So A, B, C, or D. Um, I kind of got to thinking the other day that, you know, I love so, so much about my job. I love in traveling to communities. Yeah. And I used to think that that was about travel but it's actually about it's about the human, human connection. connection. Yeah. So I realized that I can actually travel for me. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> Allie, oh my gosh. How old are you? How long did it take you to get to this point? Jeez I was Louise. today years old when I figured that out, that I can travel for myself. You can travel for but Some you. of these revelations, and you know, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, but some of these revelations, I think, are coming from a place of... Um, learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had mentioned to you that I saw this really great article through Maria Schreiber, of course, of course. um, about it's an author, um, Emily Smith, who wrote, um, the power of meaning. And she talks about the four pillars of meaning and now they help us to emerge how she thinks they'll help us to emerge from this pandemic. Um, so she talks about belonging, purpose, storytelling, and transcendence. And so where I feel like I'm really becoming more aware of these kind of veils lifted moments of clarity, um, getting really aligned with my own mission, vision, values yeah, is in this place of transcendence. Okay. Explain how she, like how she defines that or maybe how she defines each of them. Each. Yeah. So belonging, um, being in relationship or communities where you're valued for who you are intrinsically and where you value others for who they are intrinsically. It's about feeling seen, heard, loved, and cared for. That's belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, you can experience that through touch. You can experience that through eye contact, a smile. It's really the listening to what someone is saying yeah. and hearing them, that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, connection. Purpose, as we talk about a lot here, um, mm-hmm. it's the long-term goal that orients your life. It's meaningful to you, and it makes a contribution to the world. So we think mm-hmm. about what we refer to in our strengths day as Ikigai, mm-hmm. that combination of what you love, what you're good at, what your world or community needs, your purpose. Um, it's our why, the reason we wake up in the morning. Um, so purpose is pretty um, easy to identify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. storytelling. So this pillar is the story you tell about your life. How did you become the person that you are today? Mm. I just love this. You know, what experience has shaped you? What did you lose? What did you gain? Um, storytelling brings clarity to our experience. It almost reminds me, we, we talked a little bit about the house exercise recently. That's going to be featured again, right? It's, you know, what were the moments of resilience in your life? What were, you know, what have been, who have been the people that have really contributed to who you are? What are the ideas that have shaped you? Yeah. And I love that I've been, this has been showing up a lot for me. Um, and this is what she says in the article. The good news is that we are the authors of our own stories and can change the way we're telling them if they hold us back. We get to edit, we get to interpret the story in new ways while staying true to the facts. 
Research shows that people who are leading meaningful lives tend to tell stories about their lives defined by redemption, growth, and love. So Anna and I were lucky enough to get to know um, Jessica, um, who's one of our presenters from Boys Town. I want to say, I won't get her, I think it's Gibson. I want to make sure I get her last name right. Um, But she did a session on post-traumatic growth. Mm. And that was so illuminating for me. And now that phrase is everywhere right now. PTG, post-traumatic growth. Um, But I think really there's so much that we can get caught up in in a narrative Mm. and letting a narrative define us. So, you know, we've talked a lot about confidence. I am 100% confident in what I need for me now more than ever. Mm. But when I show up with others, my intrinsic value is to value what others need. Yeah. So that may show up as lack of confidence because I naturally want to be sure that people are seen and heard as they are, mm-hmm. but I'll come home to me and feel confident about who I am yeah. now, probably yeah. more than ever. And I think and that, that's in storytelling. And that's how you show up too in your strengths, right? Your strengths are all relationally oriented. Your empathy is very much about how other people feel. So you're showing up in your best self by having an awareness of what other people are going through, which you're right. means that you're more externally dependent on the voices of others than internally dependent, um, right. which is good to be aware of. Um, I love that definition of storytelling because that word, when you first read it, um, as the four pillars of meaning, I was like, oh gosh, that I had a very limited view and tunnel vision view of what I thought storytelling was. And automatically it's like, well, I'm not a storyteller, so I don't know how that can create meaning in my life. I don't have high communication, right? But then as soon as you said, like we craft the narrative about our own lives, we interpret, we edit, like that language that you shared that, that she wrote in the article, I think is just beautiful. And you're right. We're all the storytellers of our own lives. And I think about the way that, you know, I journal and I share about and reflect on my own experiences. I don't know that I would have ever ever used the term um, storytelling to define that, but it is, it's very true. And I think of how your context shows up in this, in this description of storytelling. So Starman family events (laughs) are, you share the stories of those events and how you, it is a very distinct part of your narrative and your story. Yeah. And it, it, lights you up. Mm-hmm. It's something that you, um, y- you not only are the author of that story, you want to continue that story. Mm-hmm. You want that story to go on and on yeah. and on mm-hmm. way past you. I mean, I would say it's a legacy mm-hmm. that you very proudly, um, build mm-hmm. and remain true to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think of all the stories I know from Starman family games. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. you have to share about that game. Well, I don't know if you should share about it here because I'm afraid you're not going to get it um, copyrighted soon enough. <laughs> Someone's going to steal my idea. It. Um, but it is so good. Um, so transcendence. This is the one I really think that you will love because okay. when I read about this, I thought of you and the way that you act in service so naturally. Um, okay. Transcendence. Um, it's the experiences of those moments when we're lifted above the hustle and bustle of daily life and we come into contact with something bigger. Jeez, I have goosebumps. My connectedness is like, I love yeah. everything about yeah. it. <laughs> preach, preach. <laughs> and then also my word 
Every day a word comes to me, and today the word is beauty. And listen to this description. They are experiences of beauty and awe that take us outside our own head and make us feel smaller and at the same time more connected to the world and people around us. There are lots of ways to experience transcendence, like in nature, through religious or spiritual practices like meditation, music, dancing, worship, so on. These experiences bring us to the present moment. As the poet Anthony Hecht wrote, to give yourself over to a transcendent experience is a sort of blessedness. One escapes from all the anguish of the world into the refuge of the present tense. Hmm. So I was thinking about this. Transcendence could be called beauty. Transcendence could be called blessedness. Um, it's a great gratitude um, blog that I follow that talks a lot about blessedness, um, spiritual connectedness. Um, but transcendence is this moment where we're just in recognition of it's so much bigger than yeah. than a crappy um, internet connection. Yeah. And we, and I, I witness you walking through that all the time, Tess. I witness you actually walking in it with others, being the example of it, demonstrating it, because you are always thinking about advocacy. Hmm. And it's not, it's not, um, sometimes it is just in the air, advocacy, <laughs> but it's, it's in such a, the way you live your life that it is not, um, it never comes across uh, preachy or um, pushy. It's just, this is who I am, mm -hmm. and this is what I know about the world. So this is how I will choose to live in blessedness to give to others. Yeah. Um, so these four pillars, mm -hmm. sometimes I think Maria Shriver is secretly sitting around thinking, what does Allison need to hear? <laughs> You're and then she author. writes, she incorporates these beautiful authors. Oh I mean, so guess what book is now, you know, queued up for, for next. Oh, um, yeah. This seems to be a fantastic connection with a lot of what we talk about with yeah. Victor Frankl's work. When we yes. talk about the concept of purpose, what's your why? The book is called mm -hmm. The Power of Meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's Emily Esfani Smith. Wow, that's awesome. I love that. I think, I mean... It connects. There's a connection with all of these elements. I feel like we've talked about them in uh, separate spaces before. We've talked about the narratives and the life-limiting paradigms we have in our lives. We've talked about purpose and how do we create meaning from that. We've talked about the need for belonging and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how belonging is there. I feel like we, both of us having higher connectedness, talk a lot about the, the idea behind transcendence, though I don't know that we've ever used that term before. And so I think it's so, you know, my connectedness is just kind of getting goosebumps too that all four of these things I feel like are very common themes that we talk about and we lift up and they're talked about here as the four pillars of meaning. So, are so I'll send the article to you. I did post it on our, um, so did you know we have a secret Pinterest board? We and have, you're part of that. Yeah, well, we have our, our worth mentioning board. No, no, no. This is a Jen and Millie topics, and you're a co-creator. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Sorry. Like, low input. is like I go on Pinterest once every six months, I feel like. 
So when I think that there might be something that we should cover, I pin it to the secret board. Oh so my it's gosh. just you and I see it before we go live. Okay, well. And I wonder, I wonder to myself out loud, I'm like, I wonder if she knows how much stuff I've got on here. And then if it's something that we talk about, I put it on the worth mentioning board. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, yeah, I've never seen any of those ahead of time because I didn't know the board existed. So, so I will move this article from the secret board to the public okay. worth mentioning board. I'll maybe take um, a look I, at the secret board, you know. I do think that you'll like it, and I do think it ties really well into um, the DBT, correct? DBT? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The DBT house that we do as our activity. Um, we've uh, You've blogged about it before. Um, we've talked about it on Jen and Millie before, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to look and even revisit our houses Yeah. and what do those houses look like right now? Um, kind of tying back to storytelling. Um, one of her question prompts is what's the story you'd like to tell about this time when you look back mm-hmm. on it in a few years, mm-hmm. it might be fun to craft a house right now Yeah. But in a time of pandemic and a time of social yeah. distancing <laughs> and really isolation. I listened to a profound piece um, from Liz Gilbert, who mm-hmm. she is just wowing, wowing me. Um, mm-hmm. Everything happens for a reason in my world. And I started rereading Big Magic. And then she started putting more stuff out on Instagram. And last night, she shared that she'd had someone reach out to her saying, I'm struggling, I'm in true, true isolation, and it's affecting my creativity. And Liz came back and it's very thoughtful and I'm going to try to surmise it in a really horrible, I won't do it for any justice, but she basically said, if you're not being creative right now, you're not isolated enough. Hmm. What is getting in your head? Because she referred to what is, what we let in totally affects us. So I, I have always felt this way. I'm very intuitive, high empathy, but growing up, I knew I couldn't watch certain shows. You, you know this about me. Yeah. I can't watch anything deeper, heavier than 60 minutes because that stuff gets in my head Yeah. and then I can't undo it. So she talked about the five senses and that they are servants to us, but we, we have to control what goes in. Absolutely. So she said, if you are truly in isolation, what's the other crap you're letting in? Mm-hmm. Are you watching the news four hours a day? Are you on social media mm-hmm. too much? Are there other voices that are affecting you too much? So it's kind of a 15 minute little spiel that she goes on and it's so good. But Liz sets up art traps for herself around her home. She's living in total isolation. Like you and I, she's mm-hmm. alone with her plants and um, mm-hmm. she sets up art traps so that when she gets in her head too much, if she goes around the corner, there's a table that has watercolors and she goes around another, she's cleared off her dining table. She said, because I guess I can eat on my lap like the rest of you are doing. (laughs) (laughs) All the people, all my plants, you know, (laughs) right. At her dining room table, she now has, you know, art supplies. She sets up Mm. art traps. Hmm. And because she can get in her head based on what she allows her senses to experience. Yeah. And I think if you look at your DBT house right now and you recreate, recrafted it, I mean, I think we could even do completely different prompts yeah. in a pandemic isolation DBT house. Yeah. 
Like, what do you, what, where is your beauty? What does beauty look like to you right now? Where do you see it show up? Is it in your, the sunlight that comes in your window? Is it in the plants that are growing? Is it um, in the smell of garlic when you're making dinner in the kitchen? You know, what are those things that kind of lift up beauty to you? Mm. Um, Who are your supports? And have they shifted during this time of distance? Yeah. Because I think my supports have really revealed themselves. Yeah. I mean, the people who care about me, are checking in on me in creative ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Some through, you know, a virtual happy hour, some through, you know, can you go for a walk? Yeah. Some through um, a text that just says, I'm thinking about you. How are you? Surprising ways. Yeah. So, hmm. you know, what, what does your sidewalk look like? Yeah. You know, as you're, where, where are your moments to get out in nature? So I think we could do so much with that. Yeah. Um, I would call that an art trap. Yeah. I think that'll be, that would be good for us to just get together, create some different prompts and then even come back together and talk about, um, what our quarantine houses look like, um, for next episode. Um, I think that it would be really neat. And one of the questions I was um, going to ask, which I think you kind of answered by default is, what does the article, um, what does this author give in terms of how do we reflect and understand these four pillars? But she has some questions, it sounds like, in the article. Mm-hmm. She does. Okay. She has some questions. Um, you know, kind of thinking about the storytelling piece. You know, what's the story you'd like to tell about this time? What's the story you're telling yourself now mm. about this time? Yeah. Mm. Is this everything's awful? Yeah. Or yeah. is it daily I find beauty? Um, you know, kind of the transcendence piece is, you know, what do we do daily that helps think of like ways that we can be a portal to transcendence. So leaving your phone at home and going for a walk, Mm. turning the computer off would be one for me. Um, (laughs) Just to give it a rest, much less be a rest. (laughs) And she, she gives a shout out to post-traumatic growth. Um, but this is a phenomenon after a crisis that most people will have a deeper sense of spiritual life, newfound appreciation, a renewal for purpose. Yeah. Wow. So, um, I, I think Tess that sometimes articles find me <laughs> oh, I more know than, that. more than my input finds articles. Sometimes uh, articles find me Yeah. and they so align with the messages that I think I need to hear. Mm-hmm. And then when you and I chat here, in what is just Tess and Allison having a conversation mm-hmm. around strengths, around domains, around purpose, around meaning that seem to transcend to others. Yeah. And other people are able to have conversations with people they live with, people they connect with via mm-hmm. FaceTime or Zoom or text or email or phone conversations right now in a deeper, more meaningful way. And for me, that's always going to be the best use of my talent yeah, and my time and my energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Hmm. I think that'll be a good thing for all of us to work on. I think maybe something that we can ask of listeners is to kind of read that article and reflect upon those four pillars and ask what you know, what each of those four pillars mean to them and how are they showing up and manifesting in their lives uniquely at this moment? 
So I do want to make sure that we, we chat a little bit about, we are going to do the, yes, the generally listener zoom is what we've affectionately called it. Show up with your own beverage of choice because we're through a screen. So we're not going to moderate that, but we're for the purposes of the record, it's called the, the listener zoom call. Um, and, um, we have scheduled that for Thursday, May 7th of 2020 at 4 PM central standard time. So in the follow-up to this episode, uh, the email that goes out as well as on our, um, on our Instagram, I will make sure that I include the Zoom link um, and information. Um, and um, Ali will send it out in the email as well so that people could get access to it. Um, we also may, may be reaching out individually to make sure people come. Um, so maybe people um, that we want to foster connections with each other. I am so excited for people to just like get together and meet each other, even though it will be virtually. Um, I hope that one day when we get the chance to all be together again, um, if it's, um, you know, whenever it's going to, whenever it will be, um, if there would be a point where we could do an in-person um, listener hangout, um, that would just make my heart so happy. But for right now, we'll be able to do it virtually, which I think will be great nonetheless. Um, and so if you are able to join us, we'd love to have you again Thursday, May 7th, uh, 2020 at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time via Zoom. Um, we're going to have some kind of questions, some prompts, maybe some discussion, um, kind of like as if we were doing an episode live. Um, but having real-time feedback for the question. So if you are a person um, that needs a little bit or likes a little bit more time to process, you might not necessarily get that, um, but maybe think ahead of time. I'm sure it'll be along the lines of some of the things we're talking about today in preparation, maybe these four pillars, along with some of the other themes we have been talking about. Um, I want to give a shout out to, we had a lot of responses on our last episode about hope, and I feel so incredibly blessed um when we talk about blessedness let's just talk about how incredible the community of listeners we have is um to be able to give really thoughtful reflections on the concept of hope what it means in their lives how hope is showing up how they're living in hope in this season um, and it's given me more hope to hear the stories of hope um and i'm gonna figure out how many times that i can say that in one moment um the word hope but um it's um reinvigorated this this word for me and especially being my word of the year and just to have such thoughtful and intentional reflections on what that means and I think it just is a testament to the depth of that concept um one of the ones that I want to shout out um is JC um from Rapid City she responded to us and talked about how like um the word love um and from a faith perspective if you are um kind of in maybe a Christian setting or a church or you know the the Greek term um for love is actually four different words um there's like a friendship love there's a like physical intimacy love there's the agape unconditional love there's multiple words for love and she made the case and said I think there should be multiple words for hope based on the way that hope shows up differently for people and I just loved that idea and I thought it was such a good um, testament to like the word love um, uh, hope has become has come to such extremes people use it so flippantly and people use it with such depth um, that there is a little bit of a, a scale of how we use hope and how we define it so that was just one of the ones that has really stuck with me and made me think a lot um, over the last few weeks or so as we've been wrestling with this conversation and I, um, my communication is just in the tank because I haven't been able to respond. Mm -hmm. I also haven't sent an email out for Jen and Millie, I think for the last 
two episodes maybe. Um, I just feel so behind on emails and just in previewing those. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're amazing responses, but also I just thought it was so honoring of your word of the year mm. to hear so many different perspectives on how valuable that word is. Yeah. That it's, that it's a word that carries such important multiple yeah. meanings, but yeah. such important meaning. Yeah. Um, it is also the word for Facebook live on Friday. And Yay. I'm a little, you know, sometimes, <laughs> well, not sometimes I always get worried about doing those justice because I have such a short amount of time and that doesn't work for me. I can't craft a story, yeah. um, urgently. So mm. I think what I'm going to do, um, Shane has this way of, and I know this happens for a lot of my friends who are close to him. Shane has this way of showing up when I, when I need to yes. hear his message. Mm. And um, for some of my friends, that's a cardinal. It was for me when I was running in Lawrence, um, yeah. gosh, a couple of years ago now, I think, mm -hmm. and had no idea where I was um, in the neighborhood. And there were two cardinals, three cardinals, multiple cardinals in front of me as I was running. And turns out it was his house. Um, the word, the messages, the picture, Tess, when you posted that picture mm. of Shane, I mean, it just, it elicited um, some great memories for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and just the red balloon. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I have his book yeah. next to me almost all the time now because I reference it when we do online renewals. Yeah. I talk about you know, I end with the quote, if you want to change a kid's life for the better, you have to get them excited about the future. That's a hard thing to do right now. Yeah. Mm. And I talk about the impact of hope and engagement, but I think what I'm going to do is, um, read a little bit yeah. of some of his writing Good. and then talk in a storytelling belonging purpose sort of way. Talk about the ways that that word influences our choices. Yeah. So it's obviously a bridge <laughs> between our two words, but mm -hmm. what we're hopeful about yeah. helps us determine what our priorities are. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. um, it's my hope that through teammates that people remember that they've, they've created a message of hope for their mentee long yeah. before this happened. Yep. Yep. I love that. Um, I, I, it calls me back to when we were guessing each other's words. Do you remember, remember that episode? I That was the episode that I broke down um, because I was like, how is this possible? How do you know me this well, Allie? Like, this is my pillar of belonging is the fact that you can guess my word, having given no inclination at all as to what it was. But, but you said something to the effect of it wouldn't be something as simple as like hope, you know? And I think... It, I think I was a little reticent to pick that word myself because it is so simple, yet there is so much depth to it. And I'm getting choked up just thinking about the power that it has to transform a person's life, that it truly does. And, and I think Sarah Skaggs wrote so beautifully about it in her response to us this past week, that it 
it changes who you are when you live in hope and it changes who you are when you live in hopelessness. Um, and so, but it is truly a choice to live out and live in hope. And, and the fact that something so simple as our mindset or the idea and energy that we have about the future can change what today looks like, can change who we are as a person. You know, we all know hopeful people. It's much easier to be around hopeful people than hopeless people. Right. <laughs> you know, we all kind of gravitate towards people who are a little more hopeful. And so it's, um, it's just a, a, such a timely message right now, but a, a lifelong message that I feel like is showing up more and more in different places and truly a place where I feel like I am living out a pillar of transcendence right now because hope is so much greater than me and the individual hope that I have. It's about sharing about what hope is, what it means, how it can transform people's lives in in the hope that people start to, to define it and to realize and then actualize it in their everyday life. Um, and then how that can, yeah, how that has a ripple effect, just like the effect of mentoring does. Like there is a ripple effect to hope. When someone is hopeful, it breeds hope in other people. And so on the inside of my book, what Shane wrote to me, Allie, thanks for spreading hope through strengths. You make Nebraska and me better. And he was always talking about ripples. Mm. And there are, you know, there are words that get just, like, I don't like the word bucket. I just don't like it, don't like how it sounds. But yet we use it all the time. You know, there's Mm -hmm. bucket filling experiences and how full is your bucket and, you know, Mm -hmm. be a bucket, um, drop, be a drop in someone's bucket. There are words that just, Sometimes I'm, I've learned to adapt them because I don't like the way they sound, yeah. but I've learned to adapt them in my heart so that they have a different meaning. And mm. the word ripples, I had such a hard time initially coming around to that. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I started seeing them. Yeah. And I see them all the time in Shane's work and how lucky I was to just be sitting across the table from him Mm. when we started thinking about doing this organizationally. Yeah. That I had no idea what that would look like. I'd never seen this person in my life. Mm. I had no idea what I was doing there. I had no idea what strengths was about. Um, And I knew about Gallup because I didn't get a job there when I graduated from college. You know, that was my reference to Gallup. (laughs) But the, the, the impact, the ripples are so, they're so wide and they're so widespreading and that message of hope, mm-hmm. it illuminates. Mm-hmm. And those ripples look different for every single human. Yeah. But they come down to what are you willing, what transcendence are you willing mm-hmm. to really experience in your own life to say, I- I'm either going to create a ripple that is hopeful Mm -hmm. or it could be damaging. Yeah. So that's the impact we all have. I mean, we've, we've talked about this in very simple ways here. You know, Mm -hmm. do you smile at the checker? You know, do you have a conversation with them when you're leaving the grocery store? Do you think about what your next door neighbor needs? Mm -hmm. Do you think about who would benefit from a positive moment from you? Yeah. Those are small ripples, mm-hmm. but they're, they lead to big, yeah. big impact. Um, mm-hmm. So I, love that. Yeah. I am, 
beyond it. grateful that that's oh, my word for Friday, but yes. I'm a little nervous about doing a justice test. Not just for Shane, for you, for the dialogue that we've had, for the great ways that people have described yeah. it. And every single session that I do when I talk about, you know, the impact of strengths, I'll say to people, you know, what does hope mean to you? Mm-hmm. And it's profound. Yeah. Yeah. And it is as simple as that. Like you don't need to, it doesn't all write on your shoulders, Allie, to define this perfectly for us and explain it well, because all of us know this concept. So highlighting it and giving it weight, um, giving it meaning uh, is enough, right? Like we, I mean, we did, we had lots of dialogue about what it meant to us on the last episode, but our simple question was, what does it mean to you individually as a listener? Not redefine and summarize what what we think about hope, right? What does it mean to you? And that's really as simple as it needs to be. That's, you know, allowing people to make their own definitions um, and and reflect upon what that concept means in their own life and how it manifests. And so it doesn't need to be anything huge. And that's what I love about it. And I think of all of my words since I started doing Words of the Year, I think I've been most blown away by this word by hope. And it's so simple, yet it's so profound. And there is so much beauty in that. So, oh, okay. Well, I'm excited to see people's reflections on the four pillars of meaning, um, what they think about that after they read the article. I'm excited to see people's faces on our listener Zoom call. And then I wanted to give another small business shout out um, before we kind of concluded this episode. Yesterday was the release date of Perfectly Golden, which is uh, the cookbook of the head baker and creator of Goldenrod Pastries. Oh, yes! Yes. Goldenrod Pastries is um, a pastry shop. They now have two locations in Lincoln. And every time I go to Lincoln, I go out of my way to ensure that I go there. Um, Her concept is um, adaptable baking. And so she makes, or inclusive baking, so she makes recipes. They're almost all gluten-free, all dairy-free, and most of them are vegan, or you're able to make adjustments in order to make um, they, all of these absolutely delicious pastries available to all people regardless of allergies or um, dietary restrictions. And so she came out with her first cookbook and it has like all of the main things you can go into the store and buy. So I don't have to make special trips to Lincoln to get um, great bakery <laughs> um, or great, great sweets to eat. And so I'm really excited. My beauty is going to be making something out of the cookbook this weekend. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out um, to um, uh, to this baker, um, Angela. Follow um, Goldenrod Pastries um, on social media. Maybe look into her book, especially if you are or you know someone with dietary restrictions. It is she, this everything is absolutely delicious. You would not know that there were any um, cuts that needed to be made or changes that needed to be made in terms of um, of what you're eating. And so, um, but it's been a long time coming. I pre-ordered the cookbook a while ago and it came out yesterday. And, um, and so I am so excited to dig into it. It's also what I, if you were at conference last year, Allie and I kind of pulled together a staff recommendations sheet of what are some things to do or places to go or, um, 
places to eat or shop or visit in Lincoln, and this was my number one recommendation. If you go anywhere, go to Goldenrod Pastries. It's a woman-empowered bakery, um, Great Plains um, Coalition. It's named after the um, flower of the state of Nebraska, the Goldenrod, um, which um, I learned um, post going there for the first time. I was like, that's kind of interesting. I don't know what a goldenrod is and I'm not native to Nebraska. So I didn't know what the state flower of Nebraska was. And so I um, want to give a major shout out. I know there has been a lot of love, um, a lot of time and a lot of investment that um, that she has done uh, to create that bakery, um, to make it uh, into what it is and to publish this book. Um, she shared quite a bit on social media about the struggles, originally wanting to open the bakery in Omaha and plans falling through and so the resiliency that she has um, in order to create this place and she does a lot of advocacy too which I just love a, a, a strong female entrepreneur who does a lot of social justice advocacy as well so I want to give a shout out to her again that's the book is perfectly golden uh, and you can find I bought it on Amazon you can find it if you guys are interested in that I just linked goldenrod pastries to our worth mentioning um, board on Pinterest um, I am familiar with them as well. I think that's just, that is fantastic, Tess, um, that you have that. I, I I can't wait to see what you create. Oh, I'm so and excited. And that is a great small business <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Um, I, I want to give one, I think we've done this for Block 16 before, but mm-hmm. I want to do it again because they are being very considerate of their staff yeah. and are choosing not to reopen mm-hmm. their dining um, options and continue Mm -hmm. doing what they're doing with, uh, takeout. Takeout. Mm -hmm. And I just really respect that and appreciate that, Mm -hmm. um, because they're being a considerate of the humans Mm -hmm. who who work there, but also the humans who would be in the space. So, um, I'm kind of loving seeing some of these things that are coming from small business owners who are taking a stand of integrity. Yeah. Agreed. And I think yeah. supporting that is is really key. Yeah, I love it. It's a um, we're getting to know who people really are, like we've talked about before. With all of yes. the when decisions have to be made, right? Um, we're getting to getting to see um, not that people who've made the choice to reopen, you know, it's you know, but there have been quite a few businesses. Night Owl is another one. Um, a lot of the Blackstone businesses right in my neighborhood have chosen not to reopen um, when the state is allowing places to reopen out of safety. So. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. Awesome. Okay, well, um, uh, as we mentioned, um, do some reflection on what these four pillars of meaning mean to you. Um, belonging, purpose, storytelling, and transcendence. We'll link the um, the article uh, for you guys to read and reflect on. We're excited about that. Allie and I are going to get together and maybe think about some different questions and prompts to allow people to create their isolation uh, DBT house, their quarantine 2020 house. Um, And I think that'll be a really great point of reflection. And then um, we hope to see you guys on May 7th um, next week at 4 p.m. for our listener Zoom. Uh, And anything else that I missed, Allie? I think that's it. I think that's it. Awesome. And then if you guys will, if you guys have any reflections on my hypotheses around domains and strengths, let me know. I think it's an intriguing conversation that I've really been percolating on for a while. So I'd be excited if anyone wants to have further dialogue about um, domains. And if there's anybody who believes that that bait is legit, (laughs) I would love to hear about it. Yes. Um, 
chicken breast oh, garlic kool-aid let's not even let's not even. <laughs> we already said what it was i don't need to put that image in my mind and in my salivary glands um all right not good for your senses <laughs> not good for my senses Alrighty. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in to episode 68 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. I'm trying to do this from memory too. <laughs> to interact with us on social media or to share your responses that we post in this episode, the best way to reach us is Instagram. That's at, at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Um, as always, we want to remind you all that the views and the opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Starman and may not reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program at large. It has been a wonderful conversation today, um, and so I hope that you guys um, tune in uh, to our listener Zoom um, or tune in next time to our next episode as we kind of reflect on an isolation DBT house. A little bit of future casting for that. Until next time.